Pope Benedict XVI is currently in Cyprus. You know, that little island of the Acts of the Apostles? But why? Why is he there? Wasn't he just in Portugal and Malta? Is he getting his Mediterranean air miles? Well, the Pope is there to meet with the bishops of the Middle East to give them the working document for the next Synod, that big meeting of bishops that will take place in October. But why go to Cyprus to give them this document? Why not just email it? Well, the answer is simple. Vatican spokesperson Father Federico Lombardi said to just read the Acts of the Apostles and you'll see that Cyprus appears at least six times. Barnabas is from Cyprus. He was one of the first to join the community of apostles in Jerusalem. Father Lombardi goes on to say that Cyprus is the first stage, both difficult and fruitful, of the first missionary voyage of Paul, Barnabas, and the future evangelist Mark. After this first voyage, Barnabas is separated from Paul and he returns to evangelize Cyprus. And then Paul passes along the coast of Cyprus several times in his later voyages. Cyprus is a strategic, not just geographically at the time of Paul, but also today, culturally and spiritually. It is a crossroads in the region with a history that is closely linked with the Holy Land. In the time of Paul, Cyprus was the point between the East and the West. Cyprus today is also a land of conflict. UN troops have been in Cyprus since 1964 to prevent a recurrence of fighting between the Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots. In 1974, there was a Greek-supported coup d'etat which triggered a Turkish invasion and since then, the United Nations Security Council extended and expanded the mission to prevent that dispute from turning into war. The Republic of Cyprus is divided into two main parts, the area under the control of the Republic of Cyprus, comprising of about 60% of the island, and the Turkish-occupied area in the north that calls itself the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, but recognized only by Turkey. We should not be surprised that Benedict XVI accepted the invitation to go there as a visitor and pilgrim, with a trip that follows the one to Malta going along the Mediterranean towards the east, especially with that important trip to the Holy Land last year. We should also remember that Cyprus also has a majority of Orthodox Christians who are not in communion with Rome. So this trip is also an opportunity for dialogue and communion, of human growth and peace for all in a region that is very dear to all Christians, but still afflicted with too much suffering and division. My name is Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Chris Timotrenko. And as always, Mary Rose Bacani will be here soon with ideas for things to do. And Chris, the Holy Father, is in Cyprus. That's right. We're doing the live coverage all weekend on Salt and Light Television. Yes. So, uh, so we've been following the Pope very closely, and tomorrow he'll be delivering the working document for the Synod of Bishops. So that's the the main reason why he said that he's coming to Cyprus is uh, to deliver this and to prepare the church for the Synod. Yes, and you're putting in the long hours. So next mm -hmm. week, hopefully, uh, we'll have some analysis on this trip. Definitely. Um, uh, any, anything else that's happening on the news? 
Well, we're going to be talking about the Middle East for uh, all the news stories that we're going to be discussing, mm-hmm. talking about the flotilla in Gaza and uh, some of the fallout from that, what the Pope has had to say about that. And also another situation that hasn't been making very much news, but um, it's a story that Salt and Light has been, been covering and uh, we want to share it with our viewers, yeah, well, listeners we look, rather. Yeah, we look forward to, to uh, hearing about those stories. Um, uh, as you know, our, our associate producer, Alessia Domenico, is in, in Northern Ireland participating in this wonderful program. So we will be speaking with her in a little bit uh, to find out. A few months ago, we, we spoke to Tim Campbell, who's the director of the St. Patrick's Center in Northern Ireland. So Alessia is participating in one of those programs. So we look forward to hearing what Alessia has to say about her experience so far. And our featured artist of the week is Steve Aldorazi. Um, and that's where we begin with his song, The Fall, from his album, Ad Lucem.
That was our featured artist of the week, Steve Aldorazi, with The Fall from his album Ad Luchem. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And our blog can be read at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and here now with me is Mary Rose. Thank you, Pedro. So this weekend, get ready to honor the center of our faith, the Eucharist. I'm glad you you guessed that right, Pedro. Uh, You didn't give me a chance. (laughs) Okay, so the Archdiocese of Edmonton is celebrating the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, which in Latin means Body of Christ, with a procession and a party. So on June 6th, Archbishop Smith will celebrate a 1215 Mass at St. Joseph's Basilica. Everybody follows him out to the prayer stations at four locations, ending at Grandin Park. And at Grandin Park, everybody will feast with a barbecue. So after feasting on the body of Christ, you feast on red meats. Yes. So find out more by calling Father Paul Cavanaugh, Director of Liturgy at 780-469-1010, extension 264. And this next message is specifically for the young adults joining the procession. The young adults and World Youth Day pilgrims will be the ones leading the Corpus Christi procession and with the World Youth Day cross. And Archbishop Smith will host his own gathering and barbecue with them at 3.30 p.m. at St. Joachim's Church the same day. So that's tomorrow and on June 6. Contact Andrew in the Office of Youth Evangelization at his email address, youth at caedm.ca, if you're interested in taking part. And in Winnipeg, the first national event on the legacy of the residential school system will be taking place at the Forks in Winnipeg from June 16 to 19. This is the first of seven national events over the next five years. And residential school survivors will talk about both the positive and the negative experiences they've had. So there'll be educational, cultural, and artistic activities by the First Nations, Inuit, and Métis, as well as full-day children's programming hosted by Mamawi Wichi Itata Center. Hmm. Hope I said that right. And the Manitoba Theater for Young People. So this is an opportunity, really, for the non-Aboriginal public to learn about the residential school system's place in Canadian history. Right. So for more info, contact Jennifer Wood or the Truth and Reconciliation Commission at one 796 530 And that event, again, is from June 16th to 19th at the Forks in Winnipeg. And for the first time in 26 years, the North America-wide DISC conference is being held in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And DISC stands for Diocesan Information Systems Conference. If this sounds boring to you, hold on, give me a few more seconds. <laughs> if you attend this conference, you'll be plugged into all the different wonderful ways that different dioceses across Canada and the U.S. are making use of information technology to fulfill their mission. Mm. And this conference is from June 9th to 11th at the Toronto Marriott Hotel. And it's described in this year's brochure as an exciting professional development opportunity for the administrative and accounting professionals who serve our parishes and offices. And Salt Tonight will actually have a special presence at this conference. Our CEO, Father Thomas Ruzica, will be giving a talk on the Wednesday and our marketing director, Daniel Torquia, on Friday about social media. And last week's interview for radio was with Isabel Correa of the Archdiocese of Montreal regarding the Diocesan Eucharistic Week. Tomorrow is the last day of the celebration on the body and blood of Christ. So tomorrow, June 6th at 4.30 p.m. at St. Jean-Baptiste Church, Orbis Choir will join with other choirs from the diocese for a concert. Mm. 
So there'll be world music, praise and worship, and gospel music. For those who don't know, Orbis Choir is made up of 18 to 35 year olds who communicate their faith through multicultural music. Mm. It's $15 for adults, $10 for students, free for those under 12. Find out more by going to orbischorale.org. And that's it for now, isn't it? So Mary Rose will be back. Thank you, Mary Rose. Uh, with some more details about what's happening in Vancouver. That's so right. uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and Mary Rose just took a little break. And here now uh, sitting with us is Chris uh, Dimitrenko with some news. Yeah, well, everyone's heard about this aid flotilla that was headed towards Gaza. And uh, really, this has been in the news in Israel and Palestine for, for weeks because everyone knew that this flotilla was coming. It was, coming. It, was, it was a very public event, very advertised. But I don't think anyone really thought that it would end the way it did with, uh-huh. with nine deaths. And, uh, and afterwards, people were, were finding out in the news who was on that flotilla. There were three Canadians, yes. um, I think a few Americans, writers, politicians... And a Catholic bishop hmm. was on there as well. And he's 88 years old. His name is Archbishop Hilarion Capucci. And he's a retired archbishop for the Melkite Greek Catholic Church. The Melkites are an Eastern Rite that are in communion with Rome. Now, Archbishop Capucci is no stranger to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. A lot of uh, interesting history here. In 1975, Israeli courts convicted him to 12 years in prison for collaborating with the Palestinian Liberation Organization. He was uh, accused of, of um, providing them, them money and smuggling in arms even, and uh, the Vatican had been defending him, and so the, it caused a, a diplomatic rift of sorts between the Holy See and Israel. But three years after his arrest, he was exiled back to the Vatican. But even after this, he remained a, a critic of the Israeli government and a defender of the, the Palestinian people. Uh, and so he, w- he decided to be part of this aid flotilla. And when that flotilla was blocked, uh, because it was blocked because Israel doesn't want, uh, wants to basically control what humanitarian aid is going into Gaza to ensure that there are no arms going in, um, uh, he was detained and sent back to Syria. So he was imprisoned for a brief period and then sent back to Syria. Now the Pope did have some remarks about the flotilla. He didn't assign blame. So he didn't in his remarks, he was very careful uh, not to say that Israel provoked the the fighting and Israel was solely responsible for the deaths. Uh, He simply said that Violence does not resolve conflict but only increases its tragic consequences and generates more violence. But he also called on local and international political leaders to resume dialogue. So let's start the peace talks again and find just solutions to the conflicts. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the news for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris will return in about 20 minutes to tell us about uh, another uh, sad story that's taking place in the Middle East. Yes, a peace project that, uh, that is being threatened with demolition. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Several 
months ago, we interviewed Tim Campbell, director of the St. Patrick's Center in Northern Ireland. The center is dedicated to bringing Protestants and Catholics in Ireland together. They provide reconciliation education programs to thousands of young people every year, as well as running cross-border and international youth programs. Now, one of those programs is running right now, and our Salt and Light uh, associate producer, Alessia Domenico, is participating. So she joins us now via broadband from the town of Downpatrick. Alessia, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Hi, Pedro. So how's it been? Yeah, how's it been going? It's been going fantastically. It's a wonderful program. The people of Northern Ireland are unbelievably welcoming and kind, and it's been a fantastic time, and it's only the fifth day. Okay, so we want to find out, uh, we want to know what you're doing, but before that, can you maybe just give us, from your perspective arriving there, what is this St. Patrick's Center? The St. Patrick's Center is basically an initiative that started about 10 years ago. It's um, basically a cultural center that started in Downpatrick, right by uh, the first church of Ireland and the the gravesite of St. Patrick. Uh-huh. And they always um, they always kind of point to this this church of Saul that's close by here down, to Downpatrick, right? Because it, it was a cow shed, okay. And that's where St. Patrick started his his ministry and it's funny because Jesus was born in a cow shed. Interesting. So anyhow, the uh the St. Patrick Center, it's a charitable organization. There's only about five or six people that work there full time. It's the only museum in the world dedicated to St. Patrick. They have an IMAX theater film there for him. They have um courses of reconciliation like you mentioned for the people of Protestant and Catholic faiths. Um, they have also initiatives to send young people from both North America and from Ireland both ways to experience this. So it's it's really a wonderful, wonderful organization that's done so much for the people of Northern Ireland and for people from North America as well. So that's what you're participating in right now, this kind of exchange. Can we call it an exchange between North Americans going to Ireland? It's, it's an exchange. It's what goes on... Um, when they send people from Ireland over is a bit different. Okay. But um, it's more so for North Americans to come over here and to learn about the Northern Irish culture, okay. to learn a little bit about the history of the troubles here in okay. the in the 1970s, 80s, leading up to 1998. Right. And and then to do a job placement in the community okay. to learn, you know, a little bit about um, right. what goes on here day to day life. So So how many young people are participating this time around? There's 10 of us. 10 and from all over North America? I'm the only Canadian, actually, the first and only. So it's <laughs> a great honor to be here yeah. doing that. Um, the others are from Milwaukee. Um, Minis- there's two from Minnesota, Chicago, um, and La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I never knew there was even a place called La Crosse okay. up until now. now. And then these, so. the, are these places where there is a, like a St. Patrick uh, Center affiliate or something? Or how do, how do the, we uh, find those young people in these cities? Exactly. There's, um, there's a large, usually in these places, and there's a prom- predominantly large Irish uh, population, okay. Irish Catholic or Irish Protestant population. And um, they've chosen these specific places to start chapters of the St. Patrick Center that they call the Friends of St. Patrick. Okay. And these places basically generate the funds that keep this place 
going after all this time. Okay. And so, yeah, it's a great chance for people of Irish descent and non-Irish descent to um, right. stay in touch with yeah. Northern Ireland. Yeah, because you're not you're not from Irish descent. Um, no, I'm full you're Italian. Full Italian. Now, just one quick question: Are they uh, not everyone is Catholic? No, not everyone is Catholic. We have some Presbyterian uh, Protestants as well. It uh, it wasn't a prerequisite to be a Catholic. Uh huh. Okay, so but, uh, there are a few among the group. Okay, so there's a bit of a cross-religious purpose there that I want to get to. But just a mm -hmm. note for anyone that may be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with Salt and Light associate producer Alessia Domenica, who is in Northern Ireland, participating in an, a very interesting uh, program to bring, uh, that brings North American young people to Northern Ireland to find out about the situation there, the, the political, cultural uh, situation in Northern Ireland. So, Alessia, um, mm -hmm. what sorts of activities or, or, or things have you uh, been involved in so far? We've been involved in an array of things over the past five days. Um, we started off at the at the center where we had a welcome barbecue with city councillors and uh, many influential people from Downpatrick and the neighboring er areas. Okay. And um, we had a prayer and we were blessed by two local priests, one Protestant and one Catholic, and it was a great, um, it was a great, you know, articulation of the peace process now and how Protestants and Catholics are friends, even Protestant and Catholic priests are the best of friends. Right. And from then, we uh, we visited a local agricultural fair and we learned a little bit about the agriculture in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, which is a very important industry to the people here. It's their livelihood uh -huh. for the most part. For the lower to middle class people. Right. Um, Mon Monday through today, I've been at Stormont, which is basically the Parliament Hill of Northern Ireland. It's um, where the government is. So I've been learning a lot about um, how the government works here. I think I'm more well versed in Northern Iron Irish politics than I am in Canadian politics now. <laughs> yeah. After speaking to so many different um, MLAs, MLA stands for um, municipal. Legislative, legislative, uh, of the legis municipal legislators of the assembly. Okay, and there are there are 108 in Northern Ireland alone. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, have you had a chance to meet? I uh, obviously you've met Irish people, but have you had a chance to interact with young Irish, young Irish people? I have to a certain degree, and I'm hoping to to get to know more as well. And it's actually very interesting because um, most of these Irish people young people have not grown up with the troubles you know they were born a little bit Afterwards, later on yeah. after the most extremist things that happened such as bloody sunday yeah um so you have things like protestants and catholics who are the best of friends and so it's really a wonderfully positive thing and they're very aware of the world and everything that's going on and i've had a lot of great discussions with them too about uh, the vatican a lot a lot of people here actually knew that the pope was in portugal recently and uh -huh. so that was it was really great to speak to people about that as well. So then your sense is that this idea that we have of, of the violent Northern Ireland is not all true? It's it's a thing of the past in a way. Um, there are uh, still many peace walls that are up in Belfast. Actually, I've been told there are more peace walls up now than before than during the Troubles. So a peace wall, you know, is, sorry, just to, for people that might not know, a peace mm -hmm. wall is separating Catholics from Protestants? Yes. It's separating certain zones okay. of Belfast from basically East Belfast is mostly Protestant. I believe the West side is more Catholic, but then you have North and South. It's more of a mixture of the two, I believe. And 
but you know there are still there are still neighborhoods where Protestants do not interact at all and Catholics do not interact at all with each other. Okay, but... so that's still something interesting that's still happening. I haven't had much contact with it, but I have been told. Okay, but it, so, but sorry, but in the small towns where you are visiting, it, there doesn't seem to be any particular conflict or aggression or anything like that. No, I think as the times have changed, and even seeing that at parliaments here, yeah. Um, you know, head leaders of the IRA have now completely reformed and work hand in hand with people that they might have vowed were their sworn enemies 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, what other activity, because you're there for two weeks, so what is what is to come? I am doing an internship with the BBC at the moment, and I'm with um, Martina Purdy, who is a political correspondent for the BBC here, and she's actually, funnily enough, she is from Toronto. Oh, really? And she's she's kind of taken me under her wing, and uh, she's been wonderful. So she's taking me around Stormont, and she's allowing me to follow her as she uh, she covers certain things. So it's definitely great to um, hear her perspective on um, on political affairs here, as well as her perspective on what's happening here in the church in Ireland. Right. Uh, you know, the recent... Um, scandals that have broken yes, out and yes yeah interesting mm -hmm. so does that mean that we're losing you to the bbc i don't think so <laughs> even though it's tempting <laughs> oh is it <laughs> no i'm loyal to salt and light anyway alessia that's all the time we have but uh it's been great uh, connecting with you and i know that it's a great this is a great follow-up to the interview we did with tim campbell uh in february um or in march uh so that people really understand what's what's happening and that the, the young people are really coming together and really working and really getting to find out the situation in, in Northern Ireland. And uh, that gives hope. There's a lot of hope, don't you, don't you think? Definitely so. I think it's completely invaluable for young people to travel and to see places like this and to see how positive a place that was in absolute turmoil you know, 15 years ago, you wouldn't be able to walk the streets because there would be gun raids and fights. And now it's a c completely peaceful place for the for the most part. Yeah. And you have Catholics and Protestants and Republicans and uh, Unionists and Democrats, you know, working, working together. together in the same building. Yeah, no, that's that's, a, that's certainly... So no news is good news. No, that's great. And it, it is better than the news that we hear uh, usually because you only hear when when a car bomb goes off. But anyway, thank you so much, Alessia. Uh, continue fine. enjoying your time there, okay? And thank we'll, you we'll so much. And look for my blogs. I'll keep posting them as I go throughout the trip. Yes, that's right. So those blogs will be posted at our Salt and Light website, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. I believe that there's one or two up there already. And if you want to find out more about the St. Patrick's Center, uh, just go to St. Patrick's Center. Center is spelled the uh, British Canadian way, C-E-N-T-R-E, stpatrickcenter.com. Uh, that was our uh, associate, Salt and Light associate producer, Alessia Domenico. She is in the town of Downpatrick, participating in, in a program with the St. Patrick Center. We spoke to her last Wednesday. Here now is our featured artist, Steve Aldorassi, with his song, Mother, Friend and Guide, from his Ad Lucem album.
nine years old he knew his mission Be humble, persevere, be strong The lamb and wolf skin is your care now God's love will carry you along The Moscow made no move without you A loving mother, friend and guide You led him to your son, Redeemer His loving arms are open That was our featured artist of the week, Steve Aldorazi, with his song Mother, Friend and Guide from his album Ad Luchin. We will be speaking with Steve in about five minutes. But first here, back with us is Chris with another um, fascinating story. Well, I want to take you back, Pedro, to my time in Israel back in, in October. Ago, yes. And uh, October, November. Yep. And we were researching for a project on Bethlehem University, finding stories of interesting uh, alumni who were there. And I was told to go to this uh, place called the Tent of Nations. Really had no idea what this was, but um, uh, someone who was affiliated with the university, you know, took me, we got into a cab and we left Bethlehem. 
and uh, we eventually got taken to this this uh, farm on top of a hill and it was surrounded by five different uh, Israeli Jewish settlements. Now this is in the West Bank, so the Palestinian controlled area, mm -hmm. but there are a number of Israeli settlements within the Palestinian area. Yeah. And this piece of land uh, on, on the hilltop is owned by an, a Palestinian Arab Christian family and it's been owned for, uh, for a number of generations but um, they're in an ongoing land dispute and and uh, and they say that, that their neighbors have been trying to push them off the land for about 20 years now. Um, when I went there, everything seemed reasonably calm. The, the owners didn't seem terribly worried. They have a deed to the paper, a uh, deed to, to, to the, the land. land, rather. And that is where, um, where in situations where where some of the the Arabs say that they've been pushed off their land it's partly because they don't have deeds and they often say well you know when we originally got this land we didn't deal with deeds yep. you know you deal with a handshake but they have the deed to the land which has allowed them to keep it for so long mind you even though they have the land there's not much they can do on it because electricity has been cut off uh, a road has been blocked with a with a giant boulder um, and so they've had to try and uh, make this farm operate in sort of an eco ecologically sustainable manner. And it's not just them who's doing it, it's turned into an international peace project. Uh, people from around the world have come to work on the farm, basically to maintain an international presence, and, and hopefully to, to facilitate the, the notion of Palestinians and, uh, and Israelis living next to each other. And in a very, in what they hope is a non-adversarial way, and to create uh, a new climate of of peace on this this farm. And um, again, I was telling you that it was for ecological reasons that they had to to make it sustainable. So they'd built a large water cistern. And I remember speaking with this very young German. He was probably about 20 years old. Uh, and he was so proud for creating this huge water cistern. A cistern is, is underneath the earth. So digging out this very hard rock that's, that's in Israel to create a place where they can collect the water since there's uh, little other means for them to do so. Now on May 27th, um, I got an email from Daoud Nasser is his name, the, the Christian who, uh, who, who runs this, this facility, saying that there have been nine demolition orders. One of them was the cistern. Uh, metal roofs. They uh, the metal roofs are, are are supposed to be destroyed. The tent itself. The reason why they called a tent of nations is because during this sort of disputed, uh, because the land is disputed, they're not allowed to build anything on it. So, mm -hmm. well, they they build tents, and if they can't build on the land, they build underneath. That's why they have the cistern underground. Some of their buildings are caves. These are also scheduled to be destroyed. Mm. And right now, um, they only have a couple of days until June 6th when it's scheduled to be destroyed and they're waiting to see from the, uh, uh, the Israeli Supreme Court if they can get a freeze on the demolition order so that uh, while this is ongoing, that these buildings won't be destroyed. Well, what a tragic story. Now, do you know if uh, there is Israeli or Jewish support for the, 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 the landowners? Um, that's a good question, Pedro. The it's very difficult for Israelis to be able to visit the land itself. Okay. And uh, and this is part of the reason why it's 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 difficult for for 
uh, Israelis and, and Palestinians to understand where each other's coming from is yeah. because there's often legal restrictions for for going on on the land. Right. Um, certainly, there's a lot of people in in Israel who are very sympathetic to uh, to the land claims of, yes. of Palestinians yeah. and and are critical of of the settler movement itself. Yeah, uh, interesting because as as you know, we were just speaking with Alessia and she's was reporting how. Th- the news that we hear from or the idea that we have of Northern Ireland has really changed and there are Protestants and Catholics working and living together um, that the conflicts is a thing of the past that's obviously not the same in uh, in some places still in Israel. And it must be said however we when we were there in Israel we, we visited one of these Israeli settlements and basically it's 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 similar to a suburb in that, yeah. that people are often going there for economic reasons so not necessarily for ideological reasons and we interviewed the mayor who said he himself doesn't have a problem with uh, the tent of nations existing there's yeah. some conflict between the mayor of this region uh, and Daoud Nasser who, who runs the facility but he says that they have a, a certain right uh, to be there however it's, th- it's the military right now that are, yeah. that are, are causing this, this order and, and which might demolish uh, the land to make it very difficult for this peace project to operate in the right. future. Um, now, June 6th is tomorrow, so uh, maybe, That's right. maybe in the weeks to come you can uh, update us on on what happened. And, what if you'd li- and if you'd like to show your support, uh, there's a yes. website for the Friends of the Tent of Nations. It's, it's, a, it's an American organization that was created to, uh, to support this organization, and that's at uh, F-O-T-O-N-N-A dot org. So, Friends of the Tent, tent of, of nations. nations. Friends of Tent of Nations North America dot org. F O T O N N A dot org. Yeah, it's just as easy to, to search. Do a search. Yeah, that's probably uh, online easier. search Friends of the Tent of Nations. Um, so thank you very much uh, for that and all your stories, Chris. That's uh, Salt and Light Radio News producer Chris Dimitrenko. Uh, if you'd like to comment or share any ideas on anything that you hear on our program, remember you can send us an email radio at salt and light dot org. Hi, I'm Sean Williams, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Series 159 and XM 117. It's not everyone who feels called to live with Christ in the house. Now, that may sound a bit strange for someone who's not a nun, but that's exactly what the call was for our featured artist of the week. And here to talk to us about it and about his new album, Ad Lucem, is Steve Alderassi. Hello, Steve. Hi, how you doing, Pedro? Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Great, great to be here. Steve, for the last eight years, I believe, you, you were with the Salesian uh, fathers? The yep, Salesians. Salesians of Don Bosco. Actually, they're, they're fathers and brothers. What, uh, what drew you to, to the Salesians? Well, um, at first it was, uh, I was just beginning to learn about Don Bosco and how he literally gave his life for young people and and uh, so that was the initial grab, and then I met uh, the Salesians in Toronto, and I was really drawn uh, by their brotherly love and the joy. Their, the joy was just infectious. It was uh, really contagious. So I spent a year while I was working at a school, uh, Mary Mother of God, downtown. Uh, I would visit them and go for dinner, and then finally by the end of that year, I said, I'm ready, I'm ready to join them. There's no, no need for a come-and-see week, and I was, I was ready to join them. So, right, so and that that's whole- basically it. And that whole discernment period for you, you ended up actually discerning away from the Salesians. Um, yes, actually, just uh, just last year I felt uh, I had been injured and was really struggling with my health, etc. And I, I just was discerning 
uh, very peacefully that God was calling me away from it. Right. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I may still be called to the priesthood. We'll see. But for now, I know that uh, uh, God had called me away. Well, that's good. And that's part, I guess, of the discernment process for all uh, of us, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what it's there for, for discernment. Now, while you, uh, while you were in the midst of all this, you had the chance to meet Pope John Paul II. Yes. Can you tell us about that experience? Oh, that was absolutely a mind-blowing experience. It was uh, actually before I, I before I met the Salesians. It was about a year before. Oh yeah. And it was meeting the Pope that opened me up. Uh, he inspired me to want to become a priest, and many thousands of others, I'm sure. And what had happened is I, I had written some music, and I wanted to bring it to him. And I went backpacking through Europe, uh, armed with this manuscript of music, and. Finally, I got uh, to Rome, and through a connection, uh, someone's uncle there was a, a is a cardinal, and they got me in. And uh, the Pope uh, John Paul II came up towards me in, in this uh, the small private audience room, and came towards me, and I was just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And I, I literally hugged him, oh. and I uh, know the Swiss guards did not uh, spear me or anything. <laughs> But it was uh, an incredible experience. He patted me on the face uh, and looked up, looked up at me with joy, and, and I just said, Look, uh, Your Holiness, uh, you've inspired me to, to want to become a priest, and I've, I've written this music about the passion of our Lord, and I wanted to give it to you. And, and that was just a, uh, that was sort of a miracle coming true for me. Uh, I had been discerning, you know, Lord, do you want me to become a priest? And, and the Pope was a big part of it. And right. So that, that, that's Basically, I mean, it's a longer story, but it's a fantastic yeah. experience, and I'm still reeling over it now. Ten years ago, yeah, ten years later. So, that, that's a wonderful. I think a lot of uh, a lot of young people uh, feel the same way in terms of being inspired by John Paul II, whether to the religious life or not, to married life. I know a lot of people even so. Absolutely. So that's, uh, yeah. that's a great story. You're, um, uh, just to note to anyone who might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we're speaking right now with our featured artist of the week, Steve Aldarassi. Steve, um, your album, Ad Luchem, mm-hmm. and the name of the, of the group, actually, Augustine's Border, um, is a little intriguing for me. Where, where do those two names come from? Well, uh, simply Ad Luchem as you may know, just from Latin, is toward the light. Yeah. And uh, the, the CD itself features, for example, the rosary, so it has the mystery of light. Um, and then if we have, there's some uh, classical music there on the passion, but then there's a few other songs that focus on the light. And um, uh, one of them is a psalm, the last song in the CD. And it was just... Uh, it, it was just tied in to me also leaving the Salesians and that... Um, that even though it seems counterintuitive to be leaving a seminary, I was still in the palm of the Lord's hand, and He was guiding me towards the light. And uh, so that's basically it. And just to add some mystery to it, just to put it in Latin, but uh, yes. it is essentially a CD that focuses on light and and coming towards uh, self-awareness and. and so basically towards the light. Yeah, and maybe just, just a note for our listeners, because we have been playing some of the contemporary pieces from the album, but mm-hmm. the album includes uh, certainly the piece Gethsemane that you presented, Pope John Paul II, and it's a beautiful classical piece, as well as you mentioned, Steve, the uh, the rosary um, and the Stations of the Cross, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, the musical musical accompaniment to the Stations, which are phenomenal. Thank you. Um, Thank I'm, you. I, I very much encourage... Uh, people to to have a listen. Um, just before you came on, we heard your song about Mary, 
Mm-hmm. Mother, friend, and guide. Oh wow! Yeah. What's the story behind that song? <laughs> well, actually, uh, that song goes back about eight years. Uh, while I was the first couple years of my formation as a Salesian, uh, I had spent it in New York and New Jersey, and I was uh, in New York City during nine eleven and all that. Oh, um, wow. But uh, just just the year after that, I was sitting in a house uh, that was built exactly the same as the house that Don Bosco had a dream, um, his, where he lived uh, as a boy in, in Turin, Italy. Really? And this was a remake of the house. And I was sitting there in, the bed, in his bedroom there, obviously no furniture or anything, very modest, Spartan house. And I was sitting there in a chair, and these just words started to come to me of, of how uh, the song is called Mary Help a Christian Song or Mother, Friend, and Guide, but it really tells the story of also of Don Bosco. And all basically all of the verses came like within ten minutes of just sitting there at uh, in a chair in this uh, remade house of his. So that that's and then we just we've sung it for years. They still sing it in New York and New Jersey and all over the states. It's just a it's a wonderful anthem to yes. our Our Lady. And uh, so I'm, I was very honored. I f- I feel objective like I can speak objectively about it because it was the Lord that really wrote it through me. So. I'm, I'm very, very happy to, to be associated with that song. So. Right. So that's the story. Yeah, and now, um, uh, just after the interview, we're going to also play another song. It's called Enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that title. Okay. Because <laughs> it can mean a bunch of other things, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of different things. But what, uh, what was your intention with Enough? Um, well, the, uh, the gist behind it is that um, this one is sort of uh, asking the Holy Spirit to help me out. And that... Um, that if I just ask, if I just present myself to him, um, it will be enough. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the song, I, uh, there's this also part of this self-awareness that I am enough. Uh, the way I am now is enough for God to love me. And the way you are now is, is enough. There's, there's no need for you to change. Uh, that doesn't mean we, we don't grow and, and, and convert more, but the idea was that God loves me enough as I am right now, and that if I just ask for help, that is enough as well. So there's a, a double meaning to it. Yes. So, so uh, it was written for a contest in uh, there was a Polish church in Mississauga. They needed a song, and I had to yes change it so real quick. Or com- and I just ended up coming up with a new song within two days. It was literally a miracle of the Holy Spirit. So it's a wonderful song too. I mean, I uh, I'm hoping that people that are listening to this and have been listening to at least the three songs that we we've been playing uh, are want to find out more about you. And I know, Steve, you don't have a website yet, mm-hmm. um, but if people want to have access to your music, what's the best way that they can uh, do that? Well, there's, uh, there's actually two stores. Uh, unfortunately, they're in, um, not unfortunately, but if you're not in the Scarborough area, they're hard to get to. In Toronto. Yeah, they're, yeah, in the, yeah, they're in the Toronto area. Yes. Um, there's one CI Religious on Kingston Road, and there's another one just near Markham called Joseph's Inspirational Store. Right, they're Joseph's. both fantastic stores. And they're both carrying them. And also, if you are really far, you can um, you can email me at augustinsborder at gmail dot com. That's the name of the band. Uh, I named it after Saint Augustine, with this uh, desire that uh, we're empty until we uh, realize that we can only be filled by you. There's this there's this void in us. So the the this, the name of the band and also the email where you can get the CD is uh, augustinsborder at gmail.com so that's augustine's with an s augustine's border yeah long word at gmail.com yeah and you know what i just just occurred to me steve that i mean people could probably look up joseph's 
mm-hmm. the website and maybe even order directly from the store. Yes. Online. I, I, I think they sell things online as yeah, well. I'm that, not sure. That's certainly something to look forward to. But And uh, just to encourage people, you can always contact us here at Salt and Light, mm-hmm. uh, saltandlighttv.org. Uh, and uh, we can certainly point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Steve, yeah. that's all the time we have. But it's been great uh, chatting with you. Thank you so much. for. Thank you. Uh, it, was a, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, Thanks great. Thanks so much, Pedro. Okay. So that was uh, singer-songwriter Steve Aldorassi, our featured artist of the week. And here now, as promised, Steve's song, Enough, from his album, Ad Luchem. Times I wonder what good can come of me. My answer never changes, it's veiled in mystery. I am nothing on my own, but everything in you, you have come to set us free. You are the way, the truth, the light You are the way, the truth, the light And even if my actions are Not louder than my words I know that if I am open It is not me they've heard I know I do not walk alone The Spirit lives in me Breath of God set us free You are enough Breath of life set us free You are enough If I should If I should call out your name, would you answer? If I should fall on my knees, would it be enough? Could it be enough? Enough. Enough. Is nearly broken. This cross I do not bear alone. I will stand and witness until the Father calls me home. Breathe in me your breath and life. I am enough. Come, Holy Spirit. You are that was our featured artist of the week, Steve Aldorasi, with his song Enough 
I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can send emails to us at radio at saltandlighttv.org and you can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. Here now with me now is Mary Rose. We have some news about what's happening on the West Coast in Vancouver. That's right. So when he's not otherwise preoccupied with his new status as father to an adorable three-month-old, Jeff Graham is busy getting the word out about what's going on in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. So Jeff is the communications coordinator for the Archdiocese of Vancouver and I had a chance to talk to him a few days ago about some exciting events. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for joining us for Salt and Light Radio. Thanks for having me, Mary Rose. Now, last month, May 22nd, to be exact, um, the Vancouver Archdiocese was having a party. What was that about? Well, uh, we had three priests ordained that day, uh, Fathers Cooling, Notabas, and, and Kim, and that was the most that we'd had uh, at once uh, since 1986. So it was definitely a big deal for us. Now, you also ordained a new deacon. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, Deacon Brian Duggan, he was ordained on, on May 7th, so, so God willing, we'll have another priest next year. Um, he's uh, a really, really great young guy. Um, he's kind of, he's in his, in his late 20s. I've, I've known him for a couple years, and uh, just, just one of those guys who really exudes um, a lot of joy, very personal, very friendly, I, and I think, uh, you know, again, God willing, when he's ordained, he's going to make a, a really sensational priest. No, you also hired a new uh, young adults ministry coordinator. Who is this person? Well, yeah, so we we hired a a guy by the name of Gerard Garcia. He'd been working in the youth ministry office for for a while. And uh, this is really significant in that uh, young adult ministry is kind of often seen as the missing link between essentially Catholic school and and when you get into, I guess, more family-related things like, well, say... um, you know, your your kid, your own kids start going to school, and uh, you know there's things like the Knights of Columbus and the CWL. A lot of those things are kind of geared towards, um, you know, essentially not 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 so much young adult type demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it's it's really exciting to have to have him kind of I guess starting to build that that link for us. Um, obviously, uh, there are groups like Catholic Christian Outreach um, and uh, of, of of that sort of ilk that that kind of touch on this area, but this is the first time that we've had someone specifically devoted to it, so it's, it's great. It's, it's, really, it's really nice. Now, what are his plans for uh, the next couple of weeks, or is he just settling in? Oh, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was just <laughs> going to say, I think in terms of uh, plans, he just started on, uh, just started yesterday, actually, so um, I, I, I can't really speak for him too much, but I, I can only imagine that, um, you know, the enormity of the task at hand is it's probably just something that he's starting to to take in and starting to look at you know kind of where his office can head right so we'll be looking forward to what he comes up with for the next couple of weeks for vancouver yes absolutely well thanks so much jeff well thanks for having me That was Jeff Graham, Communications Coordinator for the Archdiocese of Vancouver. To find out more about what we've just talked about, go to the Vancouver Archdiocesan website, rcav.org. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. That sounds fantastic. Uh, Remember, let us know about your events. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and we will talk about your event right here on the air. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. Now tomorrow, Sunday, 
June 6th, there's an all-new witness hosted by Father Thomas Rosica. That's right, Father Rosica's guest tomorrow is Sister Helen Prejean, the sister who wrote the book, Dead Man Walking. Yes, that book that it was made into a movie, Dead Man Walking. Sister Helen has been instrumental in sparking international dialogue on the death penalty and helping to shape the church's opposition to state executions. So that's Witness with Sister Helen Prejean tomorrow, Sunday, June 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern and repeats at 9 p.m. Pacific. And on Wednesday, June 9th, tune in for Priests Today, an event filled with testimonies and artistic performances. So Priests Today will air at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, June 9th. Yes, and on Thursday, you can watch a prayer vigil with priests live from the Vatican. This is a prayer vigil with priests in Rome with Salt and Light Vatican correspondent Alicia Ambrosio. So that's on Thursday, June 10th, live at 2.30 p.m. and it'll repeat again at 9 p.m. All these times are Eastern times. And you may be wondering why there are so many events to do with priests, and that's because it is the conclusion of the year for the priests. The year officially concludes on Friday, June 11th with a Mass with the Holy Father. So that will be on Friday, June 11th, live at 4 in the morning. But it will repeat, for people like me, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And on Saturday, June 12th, tune in for part one of Mother Teresa in the Name of God's Poor, a wonderful feature film on the life of Mother Teresa. So that will be next Saturday, June 12th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and it repeats at 9.30 p.m. Pacific. And remember that you can get all our programming information at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And all our radio shows are archived. If you want to hear any part that you may have missed or to download the programs, just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And send us your comments, as usual, to radio at saltandlighttv.org. And that's all for tonight. Thank you for being with us. I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And my name is Pedro, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.